On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, let's head to the Met. We delve into the delights of the Aegean Sea, sampling Naxos and Seros. Sticking with the sun, sand and ocean, we hop around the French Riviera and also take a tour of a very big aeroplane. We also have some top tips on busting jet lag when flying long haul. That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for a very fresh, spanking brand new edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm always up for a spanking. <laughs> I'm Mike Yardley. Delighted to be with you, Andrew. Kalimera, Kalimera. Kalimera to you too. The delight is all mine. Yes, we are kicking off this edition by taking a swing through one of Mike's favourite parts of the world, the Greek islands. Mykonos, Santorini, Rhodos, Crete. You may have been there, done that, but there's more. There are many. <laughs> many more lesser-known nuggets of wonder scattered across the Greek islands. And Michael knows these little wonders, these little nuggets like no one else. The Kikladis group of rocky speckles in the glittering Aegean Sea are really what dream islands are all about. But in contrast to those very heavily trafficked Greek rock stars like Mykonos, why not sample a scattering of the lesser trafficked gems, the under-the-radar spots like Seros. Now, Seros is a delightful destination that has not succumbed to the tourism gloss. Her streets aren't seething with hordes of day-trippers as they disembark from cruise ships at one heck of a clip. It is tourism on a more of a manageable human and sedate scale. Totally. Yeah. And the soul of Seros has not been overwhelmed by the sun lounger society either. <laughs> so you won't be, you know, taking in the sights having to tear your eyes away from hordes of overweight Germans and Russians and very, very small speedos. Right. Mm. As an aside, if you look at a map of the island, it bears an uncanny resemblance to the shape of Britain. Who knew? Uh, who knew? We knew. Seros mm-hmm. sports a proud Venetian aesthetic, although it was the Ottoman Turks who came to town and tipped things up. Yes. They ruled the roost for quite some centuries after the Venetians. Right. So the beginner's guide to Seros, the Venetian influence is particularly strong here. Yes, uh, many Kikladis islands fell under Venetian control and that legacy is spectacularly alive to see in Seros. So when you think of a Greek island and housing, you will probably think of those trademark whitewashed sugar cube houses. Seros has got plenty of those. But when you arrive into the colourful port, Ermopolos, what really stands out are these amazing Venetian-style townhouses. The sort of homes you would like to think, yes, I could have one or two of those, please, rising up from the waterfront. (laughs) Um, Interestingly, these Venetian-style townhouses, back in the day, they were actually owned by shipping magnates who would build even more grandiose summer villas in the countryside. So that very elegant Italian architectural influence is what steals the show in Seros. The whole town is UNESCO protected. Now, it's best explored on foot. 
And for a hill climb, check out the medieval hilltop town of Arnoceros. Yes. So obviously Arnos means something along the lines of elevated, doesn't mm, it? Yeah, yeah. It's like higher Ceros. Yes. yes. And it is higher. It um, is the most interesting terrain to look at because this elevated town looks as if it's slithering down the slopes like lava towards <laughs> the uh, the main town of Umopolos. Well put. Yeah. And it was actually settled by Catholics, Arnoceros, 800 years ago. So as you would expect, it has got the most excre- extravagant Catholic church uh, in Arnoceros, one of the most extravagant in Greece. The best way of exploring... That's a big claim, by the way. Yeah, yeah, mm. I know. Mm. We are talking statement architecture. Right. <laughs> but when you get to Arnoceros, the best way to explore the medieval maze is just to follow the lanes and get lost. And there are all of these networks of interconnected staircases and lanes, all constructed out of pearly white marble. The views are insane. Yes. It is quite a trudge up hundreds and hundreds of marble stairs to get to Arnoceros. So I have to say, uh, I was walking like an emperor penguin for a good week afterwards. Right. Yes. Now, there's a mental image I can't get rid of. Uh, the way of life is still steeped in tradition in Seros, and uh, they strictly observe the siesta. Can't go wrong with that. Exactly, yeah. Now, if I say siesta to you, you probably don't think Greek straight away, do you? Uh, well, yeah, but, you know. You would think Mediterranean. Probably. Okay, let's, yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, those in Seros, they are sticklers for observing the siesta. And at night, the locals will come out en masse to parade about the streets, which the Greeks call the Volta. Let's do the Volta. Oh, Calimera, Calimera. Oh. Uh, the old fashioned shops will blow up your Instagram account. Just beautiful old world stores with little produce sellers and grocers. All of those um, shop owners look like Con the Fruiterer. Capital days. <laughs> And when I was doing my penguin walk... Yes, I could imagine this happening, yeah. (laughs) I actually struck up a conversation with this lovely old Greek mama, and she was hanging up her washing. It was like a cliche moment. And what did she do? Hey, Sonny, why do you walk like that? (laughs) Yeah, why do you look like an emperor penguin? But she struck up a conversation with me, and when I told her I was a Kiwi, she actually invited me inside to have some very hairy-chested Greek coffee. I'm pleased you said coffee. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> and then she whipped out her photo album and oh. she, sh- <laughs> she, sh- she showed me her father's village in Crete, which had been liberated by New Zealand troops in World War II. Oh. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So yeah. that, that is the kind of place that you find in Seros. Amazing, innocent hospitality. Makes a bit of a difference from everywhere else you go. Yeah. And you say you're from New Zealand, they go, oh, all blacks, all blacks. That's and it. you have to listen to stories about rugby. Yes. Which kind of gets tedious. Or how many times they've watched The Lord of the Rings and would love to go to Hobbiton. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Now, taste sensations in Seros. There are many of these. Yes. And what stood out for you, no doubt, seafood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, the seafood. Um, calamari, calamari. I could live on calamari. Oh, yeah. A couple of street eats, which intrigued me, unique to Seros. They are very big into their thyme infused honey. Really? Now, this isn't honey that goes tick, 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 tick. 
It is time as in the herb. Thank you. Just in case um, anybody was yes, wondering. For right. the easily confused or bewildered. Which is you. Yes. And me. They also sell really good little pies in yeah. Seros called Helva pies. Oh, yeah. And they are stuffed with thyme, honey, <laughs> and roasted almonds. Ooh. Which is such a superb mix. Yeah. They do good cheese. Oh, love a cheese. Their trademark is San Mihalis cheese, which is a very super spicy cheese. Well worth a try. Bang for your buck. Good value. Really good value in Seros. I yeah. stayed in one of those old Venetian waterfront mansions. Lovely. Which had been converted into a B&B. The room rate per night was only 40 euro, which is about 60 New Zealand dollars. So yeah. cheap as chips. And similarly, compared to Mykonos or Santorini, restaurant prices in Seros are a snip. You can be feasting on octopus stuffed with feta for about 10 euro on the waterfront. Yeah, well, Mykonos is a tourist mecca, and they charge you accordingly. Yes. Mm, yes. Very nice indeed. Greek ferries would be the best way to get around, right? Can't go wrong with a Greek ferry. No, you can't. Just a three-hour ride through the deep blue Aegean from Athens, um, and those Greek ferries will get you to Seros. I love how the Greek ferries, they do this very theatrical pirouette as they arrive into port. They sort of fishtail their way in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very nimble. It's like water ballet. It's like a little sort of salute to their next port. I love that. When you talk to any ship's captain, uh, you know, in those sorts of places, it's an art form. Mm, totally. Often passed down from generations. And That's they're it. very impressed, you know, with how they can navigate. Yes. Yeah. Passed down from Georgios to Nikolos to Michaelis to Georgios. To- yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, stay with us. Just ahead, we hopscotch over the water to the island of Naxos. This is Kiwi Trips. This is Mike and Andrew. We have just swung through Seros. Just a two-hour ferry ride away takes you to another underrated Grecian gem, Naxos. Yes, and like Seros, Andrew, Naxos is very laid back. What sets it apart? It embodies the best of Greece. Food, culture, scenery and history, it's like a distilled version of Greece's greatest hits. And I visited the <laughs> island for the first time not that long ago. I have got a serious crush on Naxos. Uh. I've got a crush on Naxos. There's a T-shirt in that. There is, yeah. The classical temples influenced the design of the Parthenon. It is that sort of place. As you sail into the harbour, a gigantic marble doorway rises up to greet you. On a rocky outcrop, no less, by the harbour entrance, this is Portara. Yes, it was the doorway to the Temple of Apollo. It was built 500 BC, so pretty old. No. Pretty old rocks. Yeah. Um, when the Venetians came to town, they disassembled the Temple of Apollo. Of course they did. To build a castle. Yeah, right. But try as they might, those <laughs> Venetians could not get that doorway to budge. <laughs> Which makes you wonder how they built it in the first place. Oh. Mm. The locals reckon if you stand in that doorway, the Portara, and make a wish, you will feel Apollo's energy. Did you do this? I did. Oh. But I can't say I felt the energy. Did your wish come true? It was a nice view. Okay. Not sure about the wish. I made quite a few. But it's 
Well, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. You're too greedy. Let's said make a wish, Michael. Yes. Make a wish. I overcooked it. Yeah, you did. It is such a striking piece of ancient sculpture. I would like a, I would like a gigantic marble doorway at my entrance too. Right. Yes. We'll see if we can whip one of those up. Thank you. The Venetians plundered many of the marble blocks from the temple to build their own hilltop castle, the Castro, mm. which lords over Naxos town above the harbour, and it's well worth a wander. It is. Um, the Castro is now home to the Archaeological Museum, so you can actually get like this walkthrough guide to 6,000 years of civilization on Naxos. Just a little brief. Yes, sojourn, yes. little overview. Mm. When you gaze at goblets from the Neolithic age. As one often does. Yes. When I did, I felt like a flicker in time. You know, a little nanosecond of insignificance. Well, um, we really are. But, uh, totally. Mm, mm. And below the Castro, the Borges district is your classic Greek affair. All of these super skinny winding lanes brimming with insanely small shops and family-run tavernas handed down the generations from George Austin, lost to Michaelis, yeah, yes. <laughs> the kind of place where you actually just feel duty bound to get completely lost. Now, Naxos is famous for its marble. Sixty-four percent of the island's geological structure is marble, and it's still heavily exported worldwide, as they have been doing for two thousand years. Yeah, mm. they revere their marble, and the more you explore Naxos, the more you realise marble is their lifeblood. The roof of the Parthenon in Athens was adorned in Naxian marble, which is very creamy in colour and twinkling with crystals. Mm. The island is also a very fertile food bowl, and when farmers are cultivating the land, even today, they will still regularly unearth age-old marble sculptures, which then end up being displayed in the local village museum. <laughs> Digging for carrots. Yeah. What? What oh, is this? What's Adonis doing here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, a big highlight is the Marble Village, a pure fosse, where the streets are literally paved in marble. I had to pinch myself, but yes. Well, I didn't pinch any of the marble. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is a marble village. It's a knockout. Everything is marble. The houses, the shops, the schools, the lanes, the staircases, you name it. It's close to the pyramid-shaped Mount Zeus. Ah, yes. And the mountain is so named because Greeks believe this is where the god Zeus spent his childhood in a cave. It's a stunning-looking mountain, and if you want to hike it, you can. It will take you about three hours to get to the peak. Oh, no e-bikes. No. No. There's some great beach towns, but the sleepy fishing village of Apollo Nas is paradise in itself. Yes, if you just want to flop on a Greek beach oh, yes. and flop out, yes, this is where to head. Mm. Apollo Nas is sheltered from the wind with a perfect sweeping crescent of golden sand fringed by tavernas. The entire village is just resolutely Greek, whitewashed houses and blue trim. And after you've had a splash, head up the hillside to an ancient quarry where you can see Kuros. Not the... Fragrance. No. No. Kuros, the reclining statue. Wasn't that a tragically common fragrance? I used to love it. It was yeah. very 80s. I do remember you having Kuros. Yes. Mm. I. It came back mm. quite widely not that long ago. Mm. It's like a retro fragrance, Yeah, but so powerful. Yeah, you could strip paint with it. I think you could. I'd never tried drinking it, but I suspect it might have been quite <laughs> strong. <laughs> you think so? Might have to mix it with a 
ginger ale or something. Anyway, um, Kuros, the reclining statue. Now, he is a 10-metre-long carved statue of a Greek god. He has been lying unfinished in the hillside for nearly 3,000 years. There's probably not much chance of him being finished off then. (laughs) No. It's believed whoever commissioned the statue of Kuros failed to pay up. So 3,000 years ago, the carvers thought, bugger it. And down tools. (laughs) You know, mate, you know what? We're not finishing this bugger. (laughs) So they never have. It's an incredible sight. Now, if you're a fan of Italy's limoncello, which a lot of people are, Mm. Greece has a very close cousin. Yes. Another amazing wee village to go to is a place called Halki, which Mm. is where the Greek liqueur Ketron was created. And you can visit the distillery which pioneered production of this liqueur, which is made from the leaves of the citron tree, which, as the name would suggest, yeah. is very closely connected to a lemon. Citrus, citron, lemon. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you are a fan of limoncello, give Ketron a go. It is like fire water with a very citrus finish. <laughs> as one does. You could mix it with your curos. <laughs> And who knows where you'll end up. Coming up, we stick with the Mediterranean and take a quick fling with the French Riviera. Back in a moment. This is Kiwi Tripsters. You're back with Mike and Andrew as Europe emerges from its winter hibernation. Spring heralds party time for the French Riviera. And post-COVID, It will be quite a party. Oh, yes. Mm. Restriction-free for the first time in, what, three years? Yeah. So the month of May is quite the spectacle on the Riviera. The big sunglasses, the big hair, the big money, they're out in force. Oh, yeah. Swarming the Riviera for the two headline events of the year. The Great and the Good are in town, of course, for the Cannes Film Festival. And half an hour down the road in Monaco, it's all about the vroom vroom with yes. the F1, which would have to be one of the most spectacular Grand Prix, say. Eh? Absolutely. All around those streets, yeah. Absolutely. It may be a playground for the rich and famous, but you don't have to be loaded up uh, to have a whale of a time in Monaco. Not at all. Unless you want to spend any longer than five and a half minutes in the Monte Carlo Casino. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Mm. Um, but beyond the roulette tables... The notion of having to remortgage the house to enjoy Monaco is a big, fat misnomer. Yes, not true at all. No. A lot of the best sites are actually free. Yeah. Um, Grimaldi Palace uh, and Monaco Cathedral. That's where, where Grace Kelly's buried. That's right, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are similarities with the whole Diana legacy where pilgrims, basically, just continue to flock to Monaco Cathedral to pay their respects to Grace Kelly. And, of course, with Monaco being such an ostentatious flesh pot, I reckon the best pastime in Monaco, which will not cost you $1, people watching. I just love it. It's so amusing. It's like the pageant of life. (laughs) Well phrased. Now, for Jacques Cousteau fans, the Ocean Museum in Monaco is a must-see. He was the museum director for several decades. Yes. Um, So you've got this incredible museum dramatically built into a cliff and below sea level as well. It is very much the Monaco landmark for tourism um, and has been for over a century. So you've got this colossal aquarium featuring 90 different tanks. You feel like you're just exploring the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Um, The prize draw is the lagoon where you will see massive ocean predators float by, a massive coral reef 
has been uh, developed there, which separates the big buggers from Nemo and his petite and pretty tropical friends. <laughs> um, and the latest addition uh, on the rooftop terrace is the rooftop terrace, which offers the best panorama of Monaco. It's also home to the new Turtle and Tortoise Sanctuary, which, which is a big you, hit. you love turtles oh, and tortoises. They are incredible, eh? Yeah. yeah. So you definitely add the Ocean Museum to your checklist. Now, just east of Monaco, Monton is famous. Yes. And for? Lemons. Yes. And Catherine Mansfield. Of course, the two go together hand in hand. <laughs> Not often you would hear those words in the same sentence. No, she wasn't that sour. No. Just just 10 minutes from Monaco. I love Monton. I think it's the best place to stay on the Riviera. It's very colourful, very relaxing, and most importantly, affordable. Yes. Uh, fantastic Baroque architecture, sandy beaches, pastel-coloured houses, the Riviera's best gardens, and France's best, best lemons. lemons. Yes. yes. And um, in terms of that Kiwi connection... With Catherine Mansfield, you can actually see Villa Isola Abella, which is where Mansfield lived when she was battling TB. Ah, mm. as one does. Also in the neighbourhood, Ville Franche. It is like a miniature version of Monton with a chocolate box harbour in a 14th century old town. It is just a little jewel which you can do as a day trip. You'll find that in between Monton and Monaco. Now, beyond the Golden Coastline, the French Riviera is backdropped by some spectacular mountains and there's a private mountain railway to zip you up the Alpine villages. Yes. So this starts off from Nice. Uh, the Alpine Railway takes you high into the heavens. It is spectacular. And there are all these super cute mountain villages. I reckon the best is a place called Entrevaux. Entrevaux. Yeah. I love that name. It's a medieval stone village with drawbridges and moats. Oh. Just seems lost in time. I like a good moat. Oh, I do. You can't go wrong with a good moat. No. Uh, I did go wrong in Entrevaux, though, because... (laughs) What did you do? Well, I wasn't fully appreciative before arriving as to the history. and the f- uh, You mean the history of the French and Italians? <laughs> yes. They don't quite get on as well as perhaps no. they could. No. What did you do? Well, I had made the rather dumb mistake of wearing a top emblazoned with Italia in very big, bold oh, letters. Oh, my goodness. To Entrevaux. So which- this, this would be like wearing a Liverpool football top into a pub in Manchester. Totally. Mm. And getting the Liverpool kiss. Yeah. Yeah, very much. So I walked into a bar <laughs> in Entrevaux <laughs> with all these really old, crusty French buggers around the bar. And, oh, my God, if looks could kill. Ah, it's unbelievable. Anyway, don't make that mistake, but have a great time in Entrevaux. And the mountain railway from Nice <laughs> makes for a really nice day trip unless you're wearing an Italian top. Yeah, it's actually a good tip when you are yeah. travelling between Different countries. Yes. Wear something neutral. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Be socially aware. Be socially aware. Yes. Be a little more woke than perhaps you could be. Yes. What about Nice? Nice is nice. <laughs> nice is nice. And that's a joke that's been around for so many years. Yes. Is it just a gateway or a top tier destination? It's a good question because. That's why I asked it. Yeah. Well, you only ask the good questions. <laughs> this is true. It is a really good hub. It does have great beaches, really good eateries. I think the big Downside to Nice is it's just so congested. Mm. So, so I, Nice is always not nice. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Not always, whatever. Not always nice. That's what uh, I meant. Not always nice in Nice. 
could be nicer in Nice. Could be nicer and nice. <laughs> it could be nicer in Nice if there weren't so many people in Nice. Okay. That's not nice. No, not nice. So that's why I would suggest you look to stay at somewhere like Monton. Is that a nice place? <laughs> that's a very nice place. Uh, close to Nice. Great. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is really nice. Um, but if you are into your museums, Nice does have some fantastic museums. One that I checked out last time I was in town, which I thought was fantastic, a place called Marsena. And this museum takes you on a journey of the history of the French Riviera and the rise of tourism. Fantastic photographs and all of those, like, really quintessential Art Deco posters telling the world to come to the Riviera. It is just awesome. And the French Riviera train system will be your best friend as you hop around the necklace of sights. Uh, it's cheap as chips, high frequency, and some very picturesque scenery. Yes. If you are eyeing up a fling with the Riviera, as we mentioned, May is fever pitch with those marquee events. June through August, peak summer, a lot of overweight German and Russian tourists and very Mm -hmm. small speedos. Mm -hmm. It gets very crowded. My pick would be September and October. Crowds are thinner and the (laughs) wind. And the weather. <laughs> you can take that either way. You, you could. The weather is still actually really warm. So, yeah, go for a latter, latter part of the year. Okay, stay with us. Coming up, we talk about a big bird back in our skies. I had a little look through a very nice A380 uh, owned by Emirates. Plus, how to bust jet lag when we are flying long haul. Back in a mo. You're back with Keep Me Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. We're going to talk about uh, busting jet lag very shortly. Yes, but first, Andrew was part of the welcoming party for the Emirates A380, which returned to Christchurch a couple of weeks ago uh, with that reinstated daily service to Sydney and Dubai. You got the royal tour through the aircraft, Andrew. What did you think? Oh, as a <laughs> child that grew up sort of idolising the 747s, the A380, first the plane itself, is the only total double-decker plane in the mm. world, mm. largest airliner in the world. So the A380 plane itself is very, very nice. This one owned by Emirates. And what they were doing was showcasing the new premium economy. So it's the only plane in the world with four classes. You've got economy, premium economy, business, and first class. Yep. Wow. So I'm you know, 5'11 and reasonably broad. So sitting in economy, I feel like a sardine squashed into, you a know. very small tin yeah, can. Yeah, a very small tin can. The yeah. worst flight of my life on an airline I won't mention was from Christchurch to London, and I could only fly economy, and wow, it was just hideous. Yes. So when I sat down in the premium economy seats, on the Emirates A380. Literally, between my knees and the seat in front of me was at least six inches. Oh, really? Yeah. And it is really, really spacious. The seats are beautiful. They've got a whole new colour palette going on uh, in the plane, which just makes it... It doesn't feel like an aeroplane. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seats have all got footrests and you can recline. And, of course, don't worry about reclining your seat because there's so much gap between you and the seat in front of you. Was there plenty of recline? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 
was just fantastic. Premium economy on the Emirates A380. That's how I'm going to be flying. But the meals, one of my favourite airlines, you as well, Emirates. Yeah. Brilliant service, but this just adds something else to it. Did they show you what you would get fed oh, if yeah. you were in premium economy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Top of the line. Yeah. Very, very nice food. A whole bunch of choices, and this is the way to fly. Beautiful plane, and they've really done something. It's between economy and business class. Not yes. everyone wants to fly long-haul business, yep. but this is something to behold. It's a good sort of middle-of-the-road option, isn't it? Yeah. Where if you don't want to like splurge ridiculously on business, yeah. you can treat yourself to that extra comfort relatively affordably. Absolutely. So normally in a uh, in a plane cabin, you'll have three seats on each side and four in the middle. Yeah. This has got two by four by two. Mm. So they've basically taken out two seats and made up the room by making the seats they've got bigger. It really is the way to fly. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have the Emirates A380 now back servicing Christchurch and Auckland. Indeed. Daily to the world. Indeed it is. Wherever you happen to be flying in the world. Yes, long-haul travel does come with the risk of travel fatigue and jet lag. You waste the first day or two of your trip Mm -hmm. recovering from your flight. I always feel discombobulated. Yeah. Not well, even uh, when I'm flying. <laughs> true. But, but jet lag is a real thing. It is. And your circadian rhythm upends, you know, with the shift in time zones, travelling disrupts the, you know, measures your body uses to manage the internal clock, uh, daylight, your temperature, your hormones, and it's worse when you travel eastbound against the movement of the sun. And there are ways you can get yourself on a new schedule quicker and reduce jet lag symptoms. IATA have come up with their top tips for busting jet lag. Number one, adapt quickly to your new time zone. Suck it up. So you arrive into, let's say, Frankfurt. It's 8 a.m. in the morning. It feels like 9 p.m. to you. Don't sleep. Suck it up. Yes, even if your eyeballs feel like they're going to fall out of your head, you'll um, do yourself uh, no wonder of good simply by staying awake as long as you can to try and adjust to that new zone. Eat meals and go to bed according to the time at your destination. And also manage your sleep time. Make sure you sleep when it's most appropriate to your new schedule. Your flight may be in the air during your destination's night time, so try to log some sleep while airborne. Noise-cancelling headphones will always help. Totally agree with that. I was a doubting Thomas on those, but they have Changed my life. Yeah, absolutely. Drink water. It's a really simple tip, but long-distance travel can be very dehydrating. Uh, Carry an empty water bottle through airport security. Fill it up once you're in the terminal. Airside, I never drink alcohol on a plane now. Never. Yeah. Tempting as it is. Uh, and continue to drink plenty of water once you've arrived into your destination. Caffeine is very good on arrival. Consuming caffeine won't cure jet lag, but it will help you stay alert and focused during the daytime in your new destination, even if you want to curl up in a ball. (laughs) It'll help you sort of reset your rhythm. Yeah, definitely. You may want to try melatonin. Your body naturally makes this stuff uh, to trigger sleepiness, but it's also available as a supplement. Not everyone swears by it, but hey, it could be worth a go uh, to help your body get or stay sleepy while jet lagged. Uh, To avoid unwanted side effects, don't take any more than 5 mg of melatonin at a time. That's milligrams. Yes. Yes, very good. 
you may want to consider using medications. We're not talking about getting addicted to sleeping pills here, but talk to your doctor about whether a mild sleeping pill may help lull you to sleep in flight. This will just help you kick into a new rhythm. Yep. All right. Generally, such medication have side effects. So discuss the pros and cons of this uh, with your doctor. I actually took a half a sleeping tablet for the first time ever when I was flying to the States recently. And I just noticed that it just seemed to turn my brain off a bit mm. in, a, in a very good way. It just helped encourage me to rest. Uh, and I ended up clocking up about six hours sleep on that overnight flight. So, yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, absolutely. The last trip I took to Malaysia, uh, I slept most of the flight. Mm -hmm. Now, what I did with that was before I left, I made sure I got tired. Right. So before you travel yes. and I, at the sort of home end, you may want to have a few late nights and yeah, okay, if you go to the airport with your eyes hanging out, that's great. Yes. Then you can adjust your sleep. Sleep when the nighttime is at your destination yes. on the flight. Wake up if you get there in the morning and you're already halfway there that's to adjusting your rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to enhance your chances of getting into happy holiday mode faster. Absolutely. That is it for now. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. For great travel reading, check out our sister site, for the love of travel.nz. Plus, we would love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice, of which there are many, many choices. Yes. Your feedback is always very welcome. You can lavish us with your accolades or brickbats. As they say, though, beware of Greeks bearing gifts. It's <laughs> advice for life, isn't it? It is indeed, yes. and we look forward to catching you for our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time. Take care now. Tally ho. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. 